Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey everyone, welcome back to the first episode of the 2019 season of the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los, the host with the most. Season five. Can you guys believe that we've been doing this for five seasons already? I certainly can't. Has it really been? Is this our fifth season? Season five. Yeah, we, we've been here since before many of the greats. You know, we're still waiting for our shot at glory, but here we are trucking along and we're having a blast doing it. Wow, I did not, uh, I did not realize that. Yes, sir. Man, that was back when, what, like Adrian Peterson was still like a top two pick or something? <laughs> Yeah, we talked about guys like Jonas Gray and his uh, his 300-yard and four-touchdown game or whatever. That was our first season. Man, that's... Uh, whew, man, those, those are some names. Like, even going back and looking at my notes from last season, I, I don't even remember some of those guys. Uh, you know, they call it the, the NFL, the not-for-long league for a reason, I guess. Yeah, especially with running backs, you know, Jonas Gray, who lasted all of two weeks to Eddie Lacy, who lasted all of three years. But he was a top uh, he was a top uh, redraft pick. Um, That's just keep that in mind. Dynasty players, right? Just the shelf lives on some of these running backs. When you think you've got a team set and stacked for ages to come, it's just not how it works. I remember uh, Panda Express Lacy. Oh, yeah, he loved it. He loved him some. I think he called it China food. Yeah, that's that's what it was. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Um, but all right, tonight we are going to take you through a few players that we think are overvalued and or undervalued based on their current ADPs. We're going to be using yep. PPR ADP courtesy of MFLMyFantasyLeague.com. Uh, great place to play, but as always, these ADPs are going to be different depending on what platform your league uses. So keep that in mind. Um, Some of these players may be going earlier or later on ESPN, Yahoo, whatever format it is. Yeah, thank you to the good folks at MFL. We're going to start by talking a little bit about four players whose values are kind of in flux right now. Um, It's going to be Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon, of course, uh, based on their current holdouts. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Antonio Brown and his feet uh, and his helmet, and then a little bit about A.J. Green. So let's kick it off with Ezekiel Elliott. Of course, uh, both he and Gordon are not attending training camp in preseason right now. But these two running backs, their situations are different from that of Le'Veon Bell's just last year. Uh, Bell had leverage because Pittsburgh would have had to franchise tag him. And that would have cost them $21 million for just one season uh, if they didn't want to let him go and be a free agent. But on the other hand here, both Elliott and Gordon are still on their rookie contracts. So they would not be free agents, even if uh, you know they don't show up this year and report at least 30 days before the end of the regular season. Uh, basically week 13, then they do not accrue a year towards their contracts. So they're in a bit of more of a bind uh, than Bell was last year. Of course, there's still a chance that both of them could hold out. Uh, but how does this impact uh, how you feel about them in redraft lows? Where, where are you taking them, or rather, are you not taking them? Yeah, well, right. I mean, this is this is why we say hold your drafts late, right? Like last week of August, after the third week of the preseason, um, 
as of right now, I'm not drafting these guys. As we talked about before, not on the podcast, but Zeke is my number one bona fide, you know, top of the draft guy this year, but not right now. Um, this drops him solidly to four at best. Um, and if this keeps lasting and going on, playing on this way, then, I mean, how, how can you draft him? This just seems to be sort of the game to, that you play with Zeke, right? Either he's suspended or he's holding out or something something funky goes on every time draft season comes around. But then he does end up being, you know, a solid bona fide RB1. I'm saying bona fide too much. RB1 uh, at the end of the year regardless. This is just what he does. Right. So right now, um, looking only at August ADP, Ezekiel Elliott is still going, uh, on average, uh, fourth overall. Are you taking him there? Absolutely not. No, no. I, I'd go with our top flight wide receivers there. I'd grab David Johnson there at four. I think we'll get into talking about him probably. Spoiler alert. Um, there's plenty of guys that there, there's a few. I would probably drop him to about without looking at it too close, probably about seven or eight. But honestly, you know, I would just err on side of not holding your drafts this early unless you're doing best ball, things like that. I wouldn't really pull away from him in best ball. You're, you're not, he's not going to drop to six, seven, eight, nine in that sort of league regardless. Right. And, and I am of the belief that uh, Elliot is going to report sooner rather than later. But at the same time, that's exactly what we thought about Le'Veon Bell this time last year. I remember that's right. We were talking about that week to week to week. He said, Oh, we had to check in by this date. Well, guess what? He didn't. And Dallas has got quite a situation on their hands right now. Right. Seriously. Dak's asking for more money. So they offered him 30 million. He countered with, he needs $40 million a year to apparently be a middling quarterback, but the top top, uh, top paid quarterback in the league. So Jerry Jones has got to get his got to get his troops in line. I don't know what's going on in Dallas, but it spells disaster for their uh, for their future, honestly. Well, the good thing is Prescott, at least, uh, is not holding out. So they'll have a quarterback. Uh, they just need to kind of figure out what they're going to do with Zeke in the meantime here. Um, but I think we're in agreement that neither of us really want to risk taking him in the top four or five picks. You know, I'd consider him right now maybe towards the back end of the first round, eight or nine. Sure, sure. Um, the, the the difference here is that he's got two years left on his contract, and he really needs to accrue that extra. He needs to accrue this year to get into free agency sooner than later. Whereas Melvin Gordon's situation is a little bit different. This is the final year of his contract. He can forego playing. He won't accrue the year, but then he'll just have to play out one more year one year one year is a very short 16 weeks and he's playing the game where he thinks that he can hold uh the chargers sort of for ransom because this is their window to get to the super bowl with philip rivers um he's playing his cards this way him i'm a lot more worried about i don't think the chargers are going to budge on him i would not even draft him in the second as of right now i think he may hold out the whole year Really? Okay, that's interesting, because right now his ADP is at 2.11 in 12-team league, so right at the end of the second round. Um, you wouldn't take a shot on him there? Would you have liked Le'Veon Bell at the 2.11 last year? Yeah, fair fair points. Um, you know, uh, well, let me ask you this. Guys that are going right behind Gordon right now in ADP, um, just say yes or no if you would if you would rather take them over Gordon right now. Okay. We've got I'll say their name for so we don't get confused. Right. So carry on Johnson. Oh, all day carry on Johnson. Okay. Uh Leonard Fournette. Fournette. Uh, yep, Fournette. Oh, okay. Give me Fournette. Gotcha. 
Um, Damian Williams. Absolutely. Aaron Jones. Absolutely. Marlon Mack. Absolutely. Okay, so you're you're basically saying you're not going to own Melvin Gordon anywhere this year. No, not. I mean, unless the, if this ends. So if this ends, then he bounces right back to. He probably becomes. <laughs> if we look at ADP, he bumps above. Dalvin Cook, above Joe Mixon, above Todd Gurley, above James Conner. So if this situation does, above Le'Veon Bell, if this situation gets itself resolved, then he's my running back six. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, What about in terms of um, just overall? So some other non-running backs who are currently going around the same ADP as Melvin Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Antonio Brown, which we'll touch on in just a second. But what about Zach Ertz? <laughs> well, he he actually pops up a little later in the show. He he's going to show up here, but then I, he is in my fades column down down the list. Uh, probably didn't notice that, but uh, I I can't touch either of them right now. All right, what about uh, Zach Ertz or George Kittle? No, give me both of them right now. Okay, um, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. Okay. All right, so I, I think we're both kind of uh, in the same camp where, you know, just why risk it? Well, you know, there are plenty of players there who could contribute, maybe not quite as much as Melvin Gordon because he is a workhorse running back when he's healthy and on the field, but, you know, we just don't know. There's there's enough uncertainty there where you don't really want to take that risk in the first first or second round. Yeah, my view is the old cliche is you can't win your league or lose your league, or you can't lose your league in the first or second round. Well, you certainly can if you draft a player that isn't playing. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, uh, we know that uh, Le'Veon Bell recently apologized to his fantasy owners from last year and said that you know we should draft him this year, but too little, too late. Oh yeah, and we'll 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 talk about that later. All right, um, let's move on here then. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about Antonio Brown. It came out earlier today that uh, even though the arbitrator did deny his request to wear his old helmet model, um, he will play regardless. Uh, however, he is still recovering from that foot injury. Uh, per Dr. David Chow here, uh, Pro Football Doc on Twitter, it's not exactly frostbite. Uh, it's a macerated foot, uh, kind of like trench foot, uh, but of course that was exacerbated by the cryotherapy. Uh, but all reports are that Brown should be ready to play week one physically. But at the same time, you know, how confident are we in a new offense with Derek Carr now um, not having had any time together in training camp or preseason? Are you concerned about Brown? Yeah, I, I can't say I know what trenched foot is, but I know I don't want it on my fantasy roster. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um so, you know, let's let's take a look then at the wide receivers and we'll kind of go through the same exercise here. How about that? Sure. I guess maybe I should just go ahead and uh, give my state my piece on on how I feel about Antonio Brown right now just so just so we can get it out of the way and you can understand my ranking a little more a little more uh a little more exactly. So, this is just a situation I'm not entirely sure what to do with uh, I, I'd rather just avoid it, not hate myself all season because of it. Because right now, he's trading these frostbitten feet, allegedly, right? If they were frostbitten, like D- David Chow, Dr. Chow was saying, if this was frostbite, he'd already have like had his foot cut off if it wasn't resolved by now. That That's just the way frostbite work. Uh, what is true, though, is that he's not playing ball with the Raiders yet this year. His antics are just scaring the crap out of me. Um, 
he's not playing because he doesn't want to wear the the helmet that he's worn, or he does want to wear the helmet that he's worn for the past 10 years. The league says that he can't wear this helmet because it's not safe enough, and he's threatened to retire multiple times. He's threatened to never take the football field again if they don't let him wear his old helmet. He hasn't budged yet. Today, the uh, the ruling from the NFL came out that said, well, too bad, Stan. You got to get on the field, put that helmet on. Um, we haven't seen him do it yet. So if I don't see him taking the field, I can't draft him. Um, I'd, I'd take a bunch of players that I like a lot less than Antonio Brown. He's one of the best players of the past 10 years. But if he's not playing football, what use is he? Okay, so looking at ADP, um, he's currently going off the boards at wide receiver nine. Guys going after him include Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, uh, T.Y. Hilton. Are you taking those guys over him, I'm assuming? I would already be considering them over him regardless of this. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, there's certainly risks. You know, how accurate is De- uh, De- Derek Carr? I almost said David Carr. Uh, how accurate is he on those deep balls? We know that Big Ben and Antonio Brown certainly had that chemistry. Um, you know, how how efficient is this offense going to be? We just don't know. Um, and I would agree that I would also fade him at his current ADP right now. I also would prefer a safer uh, option like T.Y. Hilton, uh, maybe even Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods in that territory where the ceiling may not be as high week to week, but... Uh, you know, we, we know that, one, they're not going to retire, and, two, that they are in good offenses. Yeah, w- so with the uncertainty, I guess, to, to put a number on it, I would put him behind the tier of where I see there being solid wide receiver one and high-end wide receiver two production. So, oddly enough, I'd put him, like, right behind Amari Cooper. I don't love Cooper, but I would take him right ahead of Antonio Brown for right now. So right in that sort of Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, uh, Tyler Boyd, Alshon sort of tier right there. Okay, um, that sounds good to me. I would also put him in that same tier, which means that neither of us will be owning any of these guys. Nope. Um, no way. He'll get somebody is going to take by him. the one guy that doesn't show up. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on to AJ Green then. Uh, torn, torn ligaments in his ankle, likely out until week two or three or four, maybe even later. Um, but beyond that, even you know the state of the Cincinnati offensive line, their new scheme with that. New coach Zach Taylor in town now. How do you feel about AJ Green at his current ADP? Yeah, I, I hate to sound like I hate everybody in the league now, but I'm pretty down on AJ Green right now. And I was excited for him coming into the season. I thought I thought he had potential for solid wide receiver one numbers and a nice decent value. And I thought I'd be picking him up quite a bit in drafts, but with this foot and these torn t- uh, ligaments, he's had nothing but foot problems for the past few years. Been missing games yearly. We don't know when he's going to get back on the field. Um, he'd be one of those third-round guys who I, I just can't dive in on right now when when I could have Robert Woods around later and have potential wide receiver one-type production. It's just not a guy I can go after right now. Well, here's the thing, though. So since um, August 1st, we're looking at ADP only in the last week and a half. A.J. Green's ADP has dropped to the end of the fifth round. So you don't have to risk a third-round pick necessarily. Well, that's good. He's going late fifth, early sixth round. Is that that an area where you would consider taking the risk on him or no still? Let me take a look at the draft board down in that region. Hmm. So going right around him. So wide receivers you would have to forego would be 
like a Mike Williams, who I think has solid wide receiver two upside. You have to forego Cooper Cup, who I would definitely want ahead of him. I would want DJ Moore. Um, right there, he's right there next to Tyler Boyd. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, pick your pick your poison uh, of the Bengals yeah. receivers, I guess. I think for right now, I would have him sort of in that same exact spot as Antonio Brown, huh? So you just don't want him. No, no, I'm saying in that in that late five, early six is is right now I think he's being drafted appropriately. Because if he does come back and his foot is doing well, then I think even with uh even with the offensive change, I think he will have wide receiver one weeks. Most of the weeks he's on the field. See, I think I'm gonna disagree there. So Antonio Brown's going in the late second, and I I'd almost rather take a chance on him than AJ Green in the late fifth, despite the difference in ADP. Um, wow. And and my thought process is this, even though I'd, I push comes to shove, I would not take Antonio Brown that early. If I had to pick between Brown in the second or green in the fifth, I'd still go Brown because, um, you know, right now from what it sounds like all the medical ups, experts, uh, certainly we're just the armchair guys, but from what we're being told by these medical sources, Antonio Brown's foot isn't going to be an issue, right? And right. regardless of how nervous we are about the efficiency of the Oakland offense, he's still going to get volume. And th- and that's going to count for a lot in terms of target share, especially in PPR. So even if Derek Carr may not be as good as Roethlisberger in hitting Antonio Brown downfield on those 20, 30-plus yard passes, you know he's still going to rack up the catches in an offense that's going to be mainly driven by him. Uh, Josh Jacobs may come on, uh, but right now it's Antonio Brown's show. On the other hand, Tyler Boyd has really come on in the last couple of years, especially towards the end of last season. Um, Even if A.J. Green comes back, I don't know that he's going to get the same kind of dominant target share that he has in the past. And on top of that, I feel like his torn ligament issue is more likely to have, you know, recurring um, symptoms or, or I guess a higher risk of re-injury. Um, so for that reason, I, I really just, I don't think I'm going to own AJ Green anywhere this year. No, I don't think I am either. I think we're in disagreement on Tyler Boyd. I, I think he's totally capped as a, as a mid-range wide receiver too. I don't think he has any potential for, if AJ Green's gone, his games were worse with AJ Green gone, not better. If AJ Green's gone, that whole offense is just going to suffer and, and it's really going to take a toll on even Joe Mixon. I won't want him either. Sure, but I'm saying that if Green and Boyd are both healthy, Green's not going to have that, you know, 25% target share like he has in years past. Yeah, I think we disagree. That's all right. Okay. Um, all right, well, that goes, uh, That that's all we got for those four guys uh, whose ADPs are uh, moving a lot around a lot right now. Let's move on to uh, a couple of players at each position that we think are over and undervalued. Uh, let's start at quarterback, and I'm going to go with a couple of overvalued quarterbacks. Um, and for me, that's Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck. Now, Ooh. Yeah, uh, I, I know, um, and I'm sure all the tweets and podcasts um, will generally say to avoid <laughs> Mahomes, but we just have to reiterate it because it's the same story every year. As much as I loved Mahomes last year going into the season, um, the fact that, you know, even though he threw for over 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, uh, you know, he's no different from any other quarterback who's going to suffer from regression. I, I still want to invest in the Kansas City offense this year in fantasy, um, especially with Tyree Kill not uh, being suspended at all. 
I think that Mahomes can even come close to his numbers from last year, but there's just no way that I'm going to use a second-round pick in a one-quarterback league on Patrick Mahomes. Um, no, taking him in the second round, you're betting him. You're betting on him repeating historic numbers. That's not going to happen. Right, and then as for Andrew Luck, you know the argument, uh, even though he's going in the fourth round, that's just still way too early. One, when quarterback is so deep nowadays, and two, uh, a bigger reason for me is that lingering calf injury that's held him out of training camp for weeks now. It's likely not anything severe, but again. You know, much like Antonio Brown, much like A.J. Green, why take the risk on Andrew Luck in round four if there's even a slightly higher chance of him not being ready for week one or maybe re-aggravating that calf injury later in the season? Yeah, you, you've started this this uh, section off easy this year, Mung, with the slam dunk picks. You couldn't be more right. Do not overbuy on quarterbacks. Like we said last year, the year before, every year, near every week, you can find a player who will perform within a point or two of a top 10 quarterback just by playing your matchups well. If you're sold on taking Mahomes at two, I implore you to try this strategy. Take a risk with even bigger upside. Take Gurley in the second and take Rodgers in the fifth. That way you're still wasting an early pick on a quarterback, but with a quarterback who has overall quarterback one potential, and you have the upside of Todd Gurley rather than a fifth-round running back like Derrick Henry Henry or Mark Ingram. Um, I guess so I'm not entirely just riding your coattails. I'll throw Deshaun Watson into the mix here. He's going in the fourth. He has quarterback one overall potential here with rushing upside. I love him this year, but he does have injury downside with with the rushing. And at the least, at least the way I draft, and I think you draft, the opportunity cost of missing out on your running back two or wide receiver two or or solid depth is just not worth it in the fourth round. Yeah, there's just so many quarterbacks who have that top five potential, and some are riskier than others. But when you're getting them seven, eight rounds later, uh, you know the the risk is not worth the reward um, in in taking guys like Mahomes and Watsons and Luck. Uh, and one guy that I really like that I think is undervalued right now is Josh Allen. Yeah, uh, he's being his ADP right now is the 24th quarterback off the board, late in the 12th round. And yeah, look, is he gonna be you know? Patrick Mahomes, no. He still has accuracy issues. He doesn't have the greatest weapons around him, but who really cares? He had another offseason to develop, potentially improve his passing mechanics, and even if he doesn't, that rushing upside is what we want. That gives him his potential to finish as maybe even the top-scoring fantasy quarterback any given week. Um, you know, he was the number three fantasy quarterback from weeks 12 through 16 last year after he came back from that elbow injury. So even though there's some risk of injury with Josh Allen here, um, or maybe you know some of that rushing production regresses, uh, you know that's really what sets him apart. And when he's going in round 12, I'll take him around 9, 10, 11, a, a little bit earlier just to snag him. So uh, I'll take I'll take a chance on a guy like him late rather than draft Mahomes or Luck in in the second third round. I like that Allen pick for this year. I don't think there's much there for keeper or dynasty leagues with him, but the guy runs, and for now at least, that's one point for every 10 yards. Uh, like I said, though, I fear for his safety, much like Watson's, and I don't typically love quarterbacks in his style of low percentage completions, high interception risk, but absolutely he has upside as long as he can keep this thing going. Uh, just to reiterate, that was quarterback three, not a quarterback three, not like 30 through 40 or 20 through 30, but the number three overall quarterback in that time frame. Yep. Um, 
some some other quarterbacks that you could certainly consider here, just to illustrate the point, really. Um, Kirk Cousins is going 10.12. Mitch Trubisky, 11.8. Phillip Rivers, 11.10. Quarterbacks 19, 20, and 21. Off the draft boards, you know, in the early rounds, of course, but you could certainly do much worse than them. Cousins passing went down in the second half of last year, sure, but... In the end of the 10th round with Thielen, Diggs, Dalvin Cook, who has very solid receiving chops, give me that all day for basically paying nothing for it. Um, And while I'm, even though a Bears fan, I'm not the biggest Trubisky believer, Nagy is not going to bench him at any point this year. He should take a step forward from last year. And he had a six-touchdown game last season already on his resume. And then a little later, Phillip Rivers. Coming in there with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, who can take a step forward, Melvin Gordon, who is great catching the ball. If he's not playing, they constantly use Austin Eckler. And, of course, everybody expects Hunter Henry to take a step forward. How can you like all of those pieces on your team and not like the quarterback? Just does not make sense. Yeah, quarterback is just so deep this year. Uh, Of course, I knew you were going to bring up Captain Kirk, your guy. Um, Of course, I can't leave him out. That's no shocker. Uh, But uh, you failed to mention, too, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, sure. He's a guy that I love this year. Um, offensive line is a little bit better. Um, George Kittle is back for his second year, bigger, stronger, faster. And then he adds weapons like Debo Samuel, Dante Pettis, even Jalen Hurd, who's been tearing it up in the preseason. And while it might just be preseason, this offense looks pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah, that was really just to illustrate the point. There's plenty of quarterbacks. Rivers is going 21. That means there's 21 quarterbacks that I would be very happy as my starting quarterback week to week. Yep. All right. Let's move on here uh, to the running back position here. Uh, Sounds good. One guy that I think is way overvalued is Darius Geis. Um, He's going Mm. off the boards right now as the running back 28 uh, in the middle of the sixth round. There's just so much risk for me to even think about taking Geis in the sixth. Uh, You know, he looks healthy in, in camp and I hope he does well. I'm rooting for the guy, but he's coming off an ACL tear last year. Um, there's always that added risk of compensatory injuries or him not being back to 100%. And then the, the other problem is there's the presence of both Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson, both of whom could take some touches, lowering his ceiling, even if Geis is healthy. Uh, Washington's offensive line is below average now, especially with Trent Williams holding out, uh, maybe even getting traded away at some point. And then finally, just the quarterback situation, regardless of whether it's a mediocre case Keenum at quarterback or the rookie Dwayne Haskins, uh, this Washington offense uh, just where's the upside here? You know, it's the perfect storm for Geist to disappoint anybody who's going to be drafting him to be more than a flex or a bye week running back. There's just plenty of other guys available in the sixth or seventh round, uh, including a running back that I'm going to talk about in just a second. Yeah, there's there's a lot of growing pains that Washington's going to have to go through. Uh, I do love Geis. I love his talent. I love the player, but not this year. Just not this year. Um, if you're building, if you can catch him on the cheap, now would be the time. Is that, uh, uh, is that large, why you traded him away in our Dynasty League? <laughs> I did. I wouldn't necessarily make that. I wouldn't take that to be such a... Uh, I just needed a running back. I, I needed a running back. I needed a better player so I could compete this year. And I got Robert Woods back in the deal, who I see as an – well, we'll talk about how I see him later. Let's get back to the running All right. Uh, but by and large, I, you, you dug deep a little bit there for Darius Geis. He's going as running back 28. I think a lot of the running backs 
in the top tier are near the correct ADPs, in my opinion. Um, so that makes sense. Uh, for me, actually, Joe Mixon is going a tad early at running back nine. Um, this is not a good offense yet. Who knows what's going to happen with the new coach? The loss of A.J. Green, like we talked about before, really hurts this offense. Um, have we seen running backs do well surrounded by badness and just awfulness on offense? Absolutely. But Joe Mixon is no Saquon Barkley. I think this may look a little closer to like a Leonard Fournette type situation with defenses focused on him with A.J. Green out and poor, uh, poor total points and points scored per game for Cincinnati. I'd rather have Dalvin Cook earlier. I'd rather have Nick Chubb earlier in which should both be much better offenses, especially with the passing down work uh, in Chubb's hands now with with um, I know they're talking about. Oh, gosh, the guy's name just slipped my mind, but. Duke Johnson's gone. Don, uh, Hilliard, right? But yeah, I don't think he's going to uh, really take Hilliard. that. What? Dontrell Hilliard in uh, Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, Dontrell Hilliard. I don't expect him to take much of a uh, dent in Chubb's work, to be honest. Right. I- I'm probably also passing on Mixon at his current ADP, but there is some upside there just because he is a three-down back. Uh, even with Giovanni Bernard there, uh, Mixon's quite involved in the passing game. So if he gets enough volume in terms of Uh, in the receiving game, then he could still live up to that ADP and PPR, but certainly, as you mentioned, plenty of risk there. Um, So let's go back here to a guy that I'd much rather have at his current ADP over guys like Darius Geis and Joe Mixon, and that's my boy Tevin Coleman. Um, Mm. Supremely undervalued, I think, at his current ADP of running back 32 in the middle of the seventh round. He won't be for long. Right. Um, you know, we, we recently got news that Jarek McKinnon could start the year on injured reserve. Uh, just I, I want to invest in good offenses, and that's Kansas City. Uh, but also uh, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco calling the shots. Uh, he's got so much, just so much football knowledge. The, the way that his offenses are constructed, just stretching defenses, making them make hard decisions. And with McKinnon potentially out, um, you know, we don't know when he's actually going to suit up for a game. And then Tevin Coleman, while he was in Atlanta, you know, he has experience in Shanahan's offense. Um, Matt Breda, he's an adequate complimentary back, but he demonstrated last year time and again that he just can't stay healthy. I don't remember how many times he twisted that ankle, um, but I, I don't see a big role for Breda. I think Coleman is the clear 1A uh, in a very good Shanahan offense, and with his ingenuity to design these kind of plays and scheme guys open, uh, Coleman's running ability in that zone scheme, uh, as well as his skills as a receiver, give him a huge ceiling and a high and a high floor as well. Um, in fact, we were we were looking at camp reports, and according to Grant Cohen out of the 49ers columnists, um, Coleman's getting all the snaps with the starters. He's also been getting targeted a ton in the passing game. So barring injury, he should be a running back two in PPR and maybe even have running back one potential. And I think that in the seventh round, that's insane for me. I would take him as early as round six, maybe even as as early as round five um, over these committee running backs in worse offenses like Darius Geis, uh, Kenyon Drake, these guys going ahead of him, I'd much rather have Coleman. Yeah, I entirely agree with that. I think that that will self-correct as we get closer to the uh, to the fantasy season. Um, the problem there is, like you said, these other committee guys. Well, right now, Tevin Coleman's being looked at as a committee guy. I don't think he will for long. Um, the thought is Jarek McKinnon is that Sh- is, is uh, Shanahan's hand-picked boy. 
but he just had another PRP injection in his knee. He's having a lot of trouble with his hamstring, so he will not be ready for season time. Um, and then we saw the plug-in playbacks last year. Um, Raheem Mostert, he's hurt in camp now. So that basically leaves Tevin Coleman and uh, Matt Burita. Jeff Wilson Jr. is back there, of course, but but Coleman, I mean, they just went out and signed him. It's a good thing they're signing all these backs, right? Before, we were like, what do they need all these guys for? Clearly, something bad must be in the water for people's knees or legs in San Francisco because they just cannot stay on the field for if their life depended on it. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe John Lynch has some sort of crystal ball where he knows who's going to get hurt when, so he's signing all these guys. Or maybe, well... Not to be a conspiracy theorist, but maybe he's uh, putting the hits on him. Maybe he took out insurance policies on these guys. <laughs> yeah, he's cackling somewhere in a cave. There we go. <laughs> All right. Um, as I was saying before, uh, this leads me into my undervalued running back, Nick Chubb, who I think is going to adjust as well. Uh, he is now alone in this backfield in terms of talented running backs, in my opinion, with Duke Johnson traded away. Chubb showed he had great power and speed. He forced Cleveland's hand last year, forced them to trade away Carlos Hyde, and he clearly must have shown that he has good enough pass-catching ability now that they've traded away Duke Johnson. Um, he has about as solid upside as you can get right now in an offense that looks like it might be top five in the league behind Baker. Uh, that said, if you just can't shake your fear of the Browns, I can't blame you. If you fear Kareem Hunt, I do blame you. That's that's just silliness. This is Chubb's backfield alone for the first 10 weeks until Hunt gets worked in. At ten we- Eight to 10 weeks of running back one production is more than enough time to find a suitable replacement in free agency or via trade. Or if you're just that fearful of Hunt, um, the Hunt owner will probably drop him so you can pick him up for free. Because you can't just sit there, expect to remain competitive, and burn a roster spot for for eight to 10 weeks. I'm just not worried about this situation. I would bump him to the front end of the second, just behind James Conner, ahead of uh, ahead of Joe Mixon, uh, keep him and in, in front of Dalvin Cook. Ooh, I don't I don't know if I'd bump him in front of Dalvin Cook because I do think Cook is guaranteed that three down role. Um, my only hesitation. I think Chubb is too. Um, I'll, Chubb, I'll Chubb see it when I believe it. Worldly better talented running back than Dalvin Cook is, and he's in a better offense. I think that both of those are debatable. Um, I don't necessarily disagree, but I, I think that, you know, Minnesota's offense could do very well this year as well. And then, um, you know, Cleveland's offensive line did take a couple hits in the offseason, whereas Minnesota uh, made some additions there. So I, I do think those two are a close call for me, um, which probably means that if I'm there in the early third and both of those guys are there, I'll probably just grab George Kittle instead. <laughs> there you go. Um, I mean, we're we're talking RB seven versus RB eight, so I'd be more than happy to have either. Right, and, and I think more than you, I do think that Kareem Hunt will take some touches away when he comes back from his eight game suspension. Uh, however, I will say that even if that is the case, uh, you know, by week four, week five, if Chubb is just dominating, even at that point, you could basically trade him for anyone you want. Um, so at at least in the early season, uh, he'll show well enough to keep that staying power, um, and that trade value. So, uh, his ADP is fine. Um, I probably don't love him as much as you do. Uh, I think his ADP is correct right about where it is. Um, but actually uh, I'm glad that you picked him. I didn't get a chance to look over your guys before we recorded tonight. Uh, but my next overvalued guy is actually Kareem Hunt. So that's a perfect transition. Well, look at that. 
Uh, perfect segue here. Kareem Hunt, uh, his current ADP, running back 37 in the ninth round. Look, I, I think that Hunt is an above-average talent, uh, but a lot of his production was certainly due to Andy Reid's offense in Kansas City. And the fact of the matter is that Hunt's going to miss eight games due to suspension. Uh, I'm sure that he's going to work out, stay in shape, but we just don't know what kind of conditioning he's going to be in when he gets back. Uh, we don't know how well he's going to gel with this offense without any time with them. And on top of that, as you said, Chubb certainly is a very very talented running back of his own. So at best, it's going to be a committee. He's certainly not going to take the job from Chubb barring injury. You're basically burning a roster spot for the majority of the regular fantasy season on a guy like Hunt. And that no thanks for me. There's a ton of guys I'd rather take in rounds 9 and 10 whose ADPs are you know a little bit after Hunt's. You can invest in quarterback or tight end at that point if you haven't already. Uh, or if you if you still need a running back there, uh, instead of grabbing Kareem Hunt, why not get somebody like Latavius Murray, who's in a similar role uh, as a as a secondary back, um, or even Ronald Jones? Uh, both of these guys are an injury away from being the number one running back on a good offense, and you don't have to wait eight weeks for them. Totally agree. Um, if if you want any more uh, evidence to or any more reasons not to draft Kareem Hunt, I think in these eight to t- so I'm calling it 10 weeks because he's eligible at week eight, but you're not immediately going to see a full workload for this guy. who hasn't been on the field all season. It's not like he can sit there and be practicing with the team during the suspension either. So during these eight weeks, this good offense is going to gel with Odell Beckham, with Jarvis Landry, who is a very good wide receiver who was overlooked last year because he just didn't, you know, he, he didn't have an opportunity to produce very much last year. He's not going to be as great as years prior, but Odell Beckham's going to open things up for him. And a lot of those short targets are going to be what Baker would be throwing to Kareem Hunt. And I don't see him overtaking Jarvis Landry. So so that's where I am on Kareem Hunt. Um, I firmly believe that while he sits on your bench, you will need to drop him. Roster spots are just too valuable. Um, then the fearless Chubb owner will add him. And then where will you be? Exactly. Just don't draft him. Avoid that nightmare. Yeah, I mean, so, really, like, uh, that's a good point, too, because even after he's back, are you going to be comfortable starting him immediately, even if he's active? Not a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another nightmare scenario. Let me paint a picture for you. Imagine a running back on a bad to middling offense with a second year quarterback with a coach near the bottom of the league in offensive pace of play, meaning fewer plays called per game, even for a pass catching running back, fewer receptions thrown his way per game. Now imagine that player is known as a dancer behind the line of scrimmage who takes his time to find openings before making vertical cuts. Now imagine that player trying to do that behind a bad offensive line that doesn't make very good holes near the bottom of league in yards created. Then imagine the coach being quoted as saying that this player was not worth the money they paid for him in free agency this year. I think you probably figured out who I'm talking about by now. But here's the icing on the cake. This player has not seen an NFL field since the 2017 season. That's what you're signing up for with the 10th overall pick in Le'Veon Bell. I don't want that. Yeah, I uh, I can't argue with you there. Um, looking at his ADP guys going after him, Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, all those guys I'd probably take over Bell. Without question. I, I think, w- would you agree that around the mid-second is where you would feel comfortable taking a shot on him? Uh, Yeah, so after, honestly, 
I'd still go Gurley ahead of him. I know people keep dropping Gurley. Um, there's different arguments made for Gurley. I'm in the camp that thinks even with a reduced workload in that offense, he still has significant potential to be a top five running back at season's end. Um, I'd take him behind Cook, behind Mixon, behind Chubb for sure. Um, I'd take him... Yeah, behind those and just ahead of Carrion Johnson, probably. So that p- puts him in the mid to end of the second round. Um, okay, real quick. I know we didn't originally plan on talking about him, but maybe we should. Uh, let's talk about Todd Gurley real quick. Sure. So his ADP is the the eighth running back uh, in the middle of the second round. Um, as you said, that you think that even with a slightly reduced workload, he can still be a top 10 running back. Uh, are you, would you be comfortable taking him if he drops into the early mid second round? If if I had a pick in the end of the second, which means I had a pick in the early first and started my draft with something like Camara McCaffrey, something like that, and I had a chance to take Todd Gurley and possibly lock up two top five running backs, I would do that in a heartbeat without even thinking twice about that. It sort of depends on team makeup. Like if I go. Uh, wide receiver in the first round I'd want more of a guaranteed thing and running back in the second like um, like the way I view uh, Nick Chubb or the way I view I I would even take Joe Mixon ahead of him right now Um, but I really don't have that many fears about Todd Gurley certainly not to the point where I've seen people letting him drop to the uh, top or mid third round this guy is just way too talented the knee arthritis is not a new issue he's had this since college sure it will have flare-ups but they will adjust they ran him into the ground last year that's basically what happened they gave him a little reprieve they gave him a whole offseason they're not going to run him into the ground he's gonna have no 30 carry games or anything like that but even 20 touches on the rams that's that's top four running back potential right there Okay, so if you if you had like let's say like the tenth or eleventh pick and you grabbed uh, a wide receiver, let's say Tyree Kill, Juju Smith Schuster, um, would you be comfortable with Gurley as your number one running back? I would be. Yeah. I well, hold on. So if if I'm picking at the front end of the second, then that means it's going to be deep into the third. I think if I went wide receiver first, I would. I would probably shy away from him, especially because if I went with a wide receiver like that, that should leave somebody like like Joe Mixon still there for the taking. And his pass catching upside still is significant enough to keep him in the running back one range. Okay. See, I think I would be comfortable enough if I started at, let's say, the 11th spot and I grabbed Juju Smith-Schuster. Then I come back around... Uh, in the early second, I grabbed Todd Gurley. In the late third, you can still grab guys like T.Y. Hilton, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack. Um, I'd be pretty comfortable starting off with a wide receiver plus Gurley. Yeah. In fact, I'd probably, yeah, I would have to. Because that it's not so much the question of Gurley. It's the question of if Gurley isn't playing for your team who are you re- replacing him with? And that's exactly who it becomes, a Marlon Mack, who you're higher on than me, a Leonard Fournette, who I love the guy, but I hate his legs. You know, And it, there's just it's just unsettling a little bit, and I'd like to really have a guy who I know I can rely on. Yep. Um, okay, sorry for that quick sidetrack. Uh, let's go back sure. to a running back who's undervalued. Um, and we talked a little bit about Melvin Gordon before, but we didn't really discuss the two guys behind him, which are Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. And to me, it's a complete mystery why Eckler's ADP is running back 34 at the top of the eighth round, while Justin Jackson's ADP is running back 53 six rounds later. 
Um, so looking at last year in weeks 13 and 14 when Gordon was out and both Eckler and Jackson were active, Eckler averaged 14 carries and 7 targets over those two games. Jackson averaged 8 carries and 2 targets over that, so certainly fewer touches for him. But when you look at their actual production, Eckler outscored him 13.4 points per game in PPR versus 10.4 points per game. Again, I'm not disagreeing that Eckler is going to be the primary guy uh, if Gordon does hold out into the regular season, but it's not going to be the Austin Eckler show like it was the Melvin Gordon show. It's going to be a two-back committee, uh, and Jackson, I think, is a much better value in round 14 than Eckler in round 8. Yeah, another another knock on Eckler for me is I do think with Hunter Henry coming back, I think the past uh, the receptions do go a little more the way of the tight end. Mike Williams should take a step forward this year. He's been he's been looking really well as he heals from that injury that that hobbled him earlier in his career with the back. Um, so I think Eckler may drop a little. If if Gordon doesn't play, obviously they're both guys that should be owned. But given the choice of a 14th rounder and an eighth rounder, give me the 14 every day. Right. I, I would think at most their ADP would be, what, like a round or two apart, not six? Yeah, precisely. More like a, a 9 and an 11 or something like that. Yep, that that's my thought exactly. It's just a lack of respect. And one guy who consistently gets zero respect, they should call him Rodney Dangerfield, is Lamar <laughs> Miller. He just keeps chugging along and putting up running back one rushing numbers, high-end running back two rushing numbers. The pass catching upside is, of course, not there. But that's mostly due to the Houston scheme. The disrespect is going to come even harder now they they've traded for Dukes Johnson. But the problem was not Lamar Miller not catch, catching passes. Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien's scheme does not throw the ball to running back. So do not expect a big uptick for Duke Johnson. Just expect Lamar Miller to drop a little more in drafts. Expect them not to keep not throwing the ball to the running back. And expect him to do very well. Expect him to be the unquestioned running back one on a very good Houston offense that moves the ball well. Expect him to keep going behind the likes of Geis, Cohen, Drake, who aren't even starters on their teams. Take Lamar Miller, people. I don't understand. I just don't get it. Explain it to me, Mung. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I certainly think that he's being um, disrespected to a certain point, but I don't know that he's that undervalued for me. Um Maybe you haven't looked at these at these at these mock drafts, Mung. But look at the guys who are going, you know, right around that same ADP range, right? Precisely. That's the problem. I mean, you've got guys. I don't know how much earlier I would take him. Is is my thought because looking at his ADP right now, um, Carson Wentz is going above him. I probably wouldn't take Wentz that early, just due to how many QBs there are. Uh, but Kenyon Drake, uh, you know. Uh, what other running backs are there? He, he's guys. in a committee. People are saying Kalen Balazs are getting the first team reps. That makes no sense. Right. Um, Tariq Next Cohen. one up the look. Darius Geis. You have him below him already. Tariq Cohen. He's God only knows what the Bears are going to do between Mike Davis and, and Montgomery. Right. Go, so, go so even maybe, higher. Maybe half a round up, but uh, you know, guys like Chris Carson and James White, I would take over Lamar Miller. Do you well, disagree Chris with Carson's, that? Chris Carson's too low he's being disrespected too but i would rather have lamar miller over james white james white is in a four back committee in new england yeah that one's a tough one for me because james white and sony michelle philip Lindsay. philip Lindsay. come on um and now i'm yeah, looking at Lindsay. the start of the fifth round that's two whole rounds this is nuts this is madness 
Yeah, I, I probably would take the New England guys over him. So I, I'm not quite as high as you. I would bump him up maybe half a round, maybe a whole round, but that's about it. So I don't think he's severely undervalued, but he can certainly be that steady running back two for you if you've gone tight end and wide receiver heavy in those first few rounds. Derrick Henry or Lamar Miller? Uh, give me Derrick Henry. No. Yes. You're so um, you're just I, wrong. I, I don't. Let's, let's let's Dan Market. This is the first bet of the year. Derrick Henry and Lamar Miller. Dan, are you there? Yeah. All, right, all right. Fine. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I just think that I don't expect Tennessee to live up to their word that they're gonna you know just let Derrick Henry eat. But at the same time, I do think that they're gonna kind of let loose a little bit. They saw that. He has that upside if they just keep letting him pound against the defense. Oh, you you don't need to explain it. Derrick Henry's going two and a half rounds ahead of Lamar Miller. Pure and utter disrespect. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see about that. We'll uh, we'll keep track of that one throughout the season for sure. There we go. All right. Take us into wide receivers. We've had enough fun. Yeah. Um, wide receivers. Uh, let's start with Amari Cooper, who I just hate. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just... <laughs> This is such a negative episode. I, I don't understand it. He's, you know, he's a talented <laughs> wide receiver. He's fast. He, he's good at running routes. But uh, what kind of upside are we expecting here? Because I don't think that he's going to be used like how uh, Tony Romo used to use Des Bryant. Because right now, Amari Cooper's ADP is wide receiver 12 in the middle of the third round. And, and that's crazy. Because after he got traded to the Cowboys midseason, and, and yes, I realize he didn't have time to you know, establish chemistry with Dak Prescott. He didn't have time to fully uh, comprehend the playbook. But even though he was the number six wide receiver in fantasy for the duration of the year, this was from two monster games against Washington and Philadelphia, both poor secondaries. Uh, You know, Cooper averaged almost 44 points per game in those two games. He averaged only 11 points per game in his other six games. Uh, he might have gotten you to the second round of the fantasy playoffs. He got a 50-point game in week 14 last year, but then in weeks 15 and 16, he scored eight points and six points in the fantasy championship week. I just, I don't get it because he's got weeks where he's going to dominate, but he's more of a boomer bust wide receiver two with wide receiver one potential than he is a true wide receiver one. And, you know, ADP of wide receiver number 12, there's plenty of guys I would want behind him in round three or round four. I'd take T.Y. Hilton over him. I'd take Brandon Cooks, Devontae Freeman, Aaron Jones. These guys uh, I would take all over Amari Cooper. And then speaking of, uh, you know, a boomer bust wide receiver two here, uh, Deshaun Jackson. He was wide receiver 37 last year in PPR despite missing four games, and he accomplished that despite a lack of consistency at quarterback with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston under center. Um, per Scott Barrett, uh, one of the senior analysts over at Pro Football Focus, over the last two years, Winston has ranked sixth worst in accurate throw percentage on deep passes. Um, he's completed only 31% of his deep passes over that time. But on the other hand, Deshaun Jackson's new guy, Carson Wentz, he's ranked fifth best in accurate throw percentage on deep passes over the last two seasons 41 percent completion rate and reports out of camp are that Wentz and Jackson have already established great chemistry so even if Jackson's going to be a boomer bust guy 
Um, with that uh, inconsistent week-to-week production. He's got that wide receiver two potential in fantasy this year, and his ADP is at wide receiver 51 in round 12. Um, I view these guys very similar. I think a Cooper has a bit higher of a ceiling, but overall, why would you take Amari Cooper as your wide receiver one, wide receiver two in round three? When you can get similar production from Deshaun Jackson nine rounds later, I just don't get it. Yeah, uh, both great calls there. I actually intended on having both of them in my section of this, but um, you 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 wrote your stuff down first. I, I digress. Uh, I was actually surprised when I caught the ADP on my two guys here, and and I think they're indicative of the fantasy community. Uh, shall I say, loving its own brand a tad too much sometimes. Uh, we're, of course, talking about Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Kenny Galladay right now going 406, wide receiver 17, is going right after Robert Woods and ahead of the likes of Julian Edelman, who's a PPR wide receiver one most weeks, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, who was the wide receiver two overall through the first six weeks of last season, where I have him down two whole rounds, near and below DJ Moore, Tyler Boyd. For some reason, two off seasons ago, the dynasty community decided Kenny Galladay was their child. And ever since, he's been overdrafted. Unfortunately, Matt Stafford doesn't seem to use receivers in that way. Galladay will never be a wide receiver one unless he's force-fed the ball, which Stafford and Matt Patricia do not do. Which brings us to the currently drafted wide receiver 39, Marvin Jones. These two are much more 1A and 1B in this offense than the 1 and 2 that people are tending to realize, likely due to Jones' injury last year, and Stafford's need to lean more on Galladay with Jones out and Tate traded away last year. Marvin Jones was a wide receiver 1 for the 2017 season. He was a top 6 wide receiver for half of the season. Granted, this does have a lot to do with his deep ball threat, touchdown scoring, chunk yards uh, playing, but when he connects, it really pays off, and Matt Stafford loves to target him. He is much like uh, this also undervalued Deshaun Jackson. Granted, I might rather have Deshaun Jackson to Jones this year, given the offenses, um, and Deshaun Jackson is actually going later in drafts. Um, but we're looking at multiple undervalued players here. Uh, I'd be very comfortable with Jones in the mid-seventh range, around the likes of Will Fuller and Christian Kirk this year. Um, I think I agree with half of you, or half of what you said, I should say. <laughs> Yes, Galladay, no Jones. Um, correct, because I, I do think Galladay is a little bit overvalued here. Looking at his ADP, I, I take David Montgomery over him, uh, Julian Edelman. These guys are going a few spots behind Galladay. Um, even Tyler Lockett, uh, I, I'd rather take a shot on these guys just because I don't think the volume is going to be there. Detroit wants to be that kind of ground-and-pound game. Um, and even as the wide receiver one, uh, I, especially with TJ Hawkinson there too, um, taking away some of those red zone targets, presumably. I, I just don't know that the upside is there for me to take Galladay at wide receiver 17. Um, but for that same reason, because I'm not sure of the volume and because of Hawkinson's presence and, and really the emergence of on Johnson as a pass catcher as well with Riddick gone, I just don't know that the volume is going to be there. I think Marvin Jones, an okay pick uh, at that point, but I don't know that I don't know that I would feel great about having him as my wide receiver three. Um, I'd rather go for a guy who I think has, you know, better upside than Jones. Okay. All right. Uh, let's, <laughs> well, I, I just, I, I mean, okay. I, I think we're just on different pages here because if you're going to knock Galladay, then I think you also have to knock Jones. <laughs> 
You know, I, I think it's just a I think it's just a two man crew. It's not Batman and Robin. It's Batman and Superman in Detroit. Okay, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, way to way to way to describe that. Don't, don't get me wrong. Neither the neither of them are Batman or Super. I guess it's not a. Uh-huh. They're peas and carrots. They're not peanut butter and jelly. I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> um, well, because peas and carrots are about equal in your meal, but in a PB and J sandwich, your peanut butter dominates your jelly and takes it to school. All right, real real quick, lightning round: uh, creamy or crunchy peanut butter? You know, I actually like both, but in a sandwich, I prefer crunchy. Oh what's well, first of you? all, you're wrong, and our <laughs> super producer Dan uh, also disagrees with you. Um, really? All right. Uh, just as important, uh, just as important, uh, strawberry or grape? Oh, grape all day. Get oh, out of here. Oh, get out of here. You, your, your sandwiches <sighs> are trash, just like your fantasy takes. I, you go are so dumb. I'm going with grape. There we go. There we go. Votes both ways. I'm, you're, I'm, you're both there we wrong go. in I'm such making different you guys ways. Drift further and further apart. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a homegrown white bread American boy right there. <laughs> Man, how did we how did we make it five years with such huge differences here? I, you know, I mean, that's actually the first thing we've disagreed on on this whole podcast is is peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> well, we, we need something. Um, wh- what <laughs> yep. about what about my next guy here? Then, um, I'm not I'm not a fan of Chris Godwin at his current ADP. Oof. I think wide receiver 19, oh, okay. just two behind Kenny Galladay in the fourth round. I mean, I was just talking about Jameis Winston, his lack of accuracy. Uh, what That applies to Chris Godwin, too, because uh, while Bruce Arians might be the new head coach there, uh, a lot of people have some hope that he's going to turn things around for this wretched team, but that doesn't mean that everything's going to be magically fixed here. Godwin's drawn some rave reviews in camp. Uh, he's probably going to be used out of the slot quite a bit, but that doesn't mean that he's going to get the volume or the efficiency to live up to a fourth-round ADP here. It's kind of like everybody's forgotten that Mike Evans is the clear number one guy in that offense. Uh, you know, even though in the interview he said that he and Chris are competing for that number one spot, uh, you know, Mike's just being a nice guy. He He's the number one in that offense here. And then everyone's so high on O.J. Howard, his supposed breakout this year in year three. Uh, but you can't be super high on Howard and have Godwin in the fourth round because you're basically saying that Tampa Bay is going to be Kansas City from last year at that point because I could see Godwin finishing as a mid-range wide receiver too, uh, you know, which he's being drafted as, but he's being drafted at his ceiling. I don't see him doing better than that. I'd rather take guys like Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Evan Ingram, all these guys with ADP a few slots behind Chris Godwin. Yeah, I I agree that he's getting drafted a little too high, but I think the hate is uh, is going a little too deep there. This is this will be a good offense with a quarterback who routinely throws the ball over 300 yards a game. That is not something. I mean, even in this NFL where we're seeing yards produced like nothing else, nobody is really producing them to the point where Jameis Winston produces yardage, and that's because he chucks the ball around so much. And this team is so bad that they allow so many points they need to be throwing in entire game i actually think chris godwin has high potential here for 100 catches in the season but i agree he should be drafted below uh tyler lockett below cooper cup uh just below dj moore so i would slot him near the end of the fifth where he's going about the end of the fourth right now but but los what about the fact that tampa bay lost their number one quarterback too this past offseason 
Yeah, that's fine. They did, but uh, they kept a guy who put up basically identical numbers. It's just that Fitzpatrick did them more weeks in a row when Jameis sort of saw got benched and came back. With this hire of Bruce Arians, Jameis Winston is not getting benched. The reason he took this job is so he can take Jameis Winston and fix him. There is no other reason Bruce Arians got pulled out of out of uh, retirement. Mm, all right. I guess the question is, can he fix him? I, if there's anybody who can do it, it's Bruce Arians. Mm. I, I I think that if he, if he can't, Jameis is done. Then they have to go after if. They're at that much of a problem. They will win four games this year, and they'll get Tua. Well, I I could see that happening. So I guess maybe that's another reason I'm not as high on Godwin uh, as most. Very good. Not to belabor the point, but I also disagree that Mike Evans is the unquestioned one. Mike Evans is, in, is a 60 to 80 catch guy every year. Sure, we fall in love with the fact that two years, or was it three years ago now, time keeps on ticking away, that he was the wide receiver one overall. But without the without the touchdowns, this guy just is not a dominant wide receiver in the league, in my opinion. I think he's vehemently overvalued. Ooh, don't don't talk about my guy Mike like that. Uh, but, but here's the thing, though. <laughs> well, but, don't talk about my guy Chris but like touchdowns that. matter. You know that that's six points. That's sixty yards right there. The equivalent of yeah. But what? Who took all this value away from Mike Evans last year? Adam Humphreys, and who is a better version of Adam Humphreys than Chris Godwin? What what value are we talking about here? Evans was still very good last year. Yeah, I'm but people were upset because he only had, you know, limited touchdowns, limited scoring. Oh, well, I mean, I think then they were just their expectations were too high here because I think Oh, well, yeah, cuz is... they're comparing to a top 1 overall finish. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. All right. Let's move on from uh the sad team. All right. Offense. Uh this is more of a situation that I don't exactly know what to do with, but uh I or we already talked about my over guy. Um I don't want to belabor the issue on Antonio Brown. We we talked about him. Um we can go into your undervalued guy. Okay. Um actually uh you know, I, I guess it's kinda interesting because I think Chris Godwin, Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians uh offensive guy right now is overvalued, but my undervalued guy here is a former Bruce Arians protege, uh, oh. John Brown. Um, oh. So he had a great 2015 season. He hasn't really been great in fantasy since then. Uh, and the main reason is health. So Brown suffered from recurring hamstring injuries all throughout 2016. And then we found out after that season that he was diagnosed with sickle cell trait. Um, that's a huge issue that causes a lot of injuries, but that's treatable once it's diagnosed. Um, so that really minimizes his injury risk a lot now. So if you ask then why his 2017 season was again awful with a bunch of back injuries, well, that year, uh, Brown was diagnosed with a cyst on his spine. Uh, another degenerative condition leads to a ton of issues uh, again, but once diagnosed and removed via surgery, it's not a recurring health issue. So last year, finally, in Baltimore with Flacco, he was phenomenal. Uh, they never really got on the same page, didn't get that volume, but um, he was showing well, and then Lamar Jackson took over, and that entire passing offense regressed. So it, it's really no surprise that Brown's on my undervalued list here since his quarterback was as well. Um, you know, We talked about... Josh Allen's rushing upside uh, made him a great pick late in the in the drafts. Um, 
you know, that's a big reason why I like Allen, but he also has a cannon for an arm. And reports out of camp are that John Brown is the clear number one guy in Buffalo uh, and that he and, and Allen have established great chemistry here. So assuming that John Brown stays healthy, I think he's a wide receiver three or flex play, um, even has that wide receiver two potential, and he's going to crush that 11th round ADP. I like it. There's a lot of boom bust to him. He's definitely going to outperform but it's one of those things where I am a tad worried about starting him on those weeks where he's going to have two catches for, you know, 20 yards because because he just couldn't get connected with a deep. And that, you know, I'm worried about the tank potential there. Yeah, but, uh, you know, for the 11th round versus uh, Mari Cooper's, you know, eight point weeks and uh, in, in taking oh, him in yeah. the second round, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, here's another perennially disrespected player, Robert Woods, going behind Cooks, the Minnesota wide receivers. Uh, despite draft stock and preconceived notions of head coaches here, Robert Woods is the wide receiver one on the Rams. He has been, he is, and he will continue to be. Defensive coordinators disagree. It's like one of those uh, 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 clickbait headlines. Defensive coordinators disagree. <laughs> Which is great because that means they're going to continue to put their top corners on Brandon Cooks. Don't get me wrong. Cooks is more dynamic. He's faster. He's a better talent. But in this offense, which finds the open man rather than the best talent, especially when the best talent is covered by top corners, Woods is that open man. When Cooper Cup was injured, Woods actually improved last year. This is a potential wide receiver one that you can draft as your wide receiver three in some scenarios. I just love it. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't necessarily disagree with there. Right now, Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods are basically going back-to-back. -back. Uh, they're both going in the early to middle of the fourth round. Uh, Cooks a few spots ahead of him, but um, I agree that they're fairly similar. They're both going to be uh, you know used in different ways, and they're both going to have their big weeks, so why not take the guy uh, a few spots later, right? Is that what you're arguing? Absolutely. Um, although I will say that looking at the ADP right now while we're recording, I noticed that Julian Edelman is going behind both of those guys, and I would take him over either. Yeah, I'm actually surprised he wasn't one of your undervalued guys. Um, he's been a tank. He's been a monster every year he could connect with Brady. And any game we've seen over the past two years with Gronk out, Edelman's production puts him right in wide receiver one um, numbers. So I don't understand that. I really don't get it. If it's maybe a worry about – um, Brady's age, but I, I don't know, I guess that's sort of a tired narrative at this point. It could be a reflection on Edelman getting dinged up, getting injured every year. I, I just, I don't know. I think he is good enough value to take him a little higher there as well. Yeah. It, it probably has to do with his thumb injury and then the fact that he has been dinged up in past years. So, um, certainly yeah. there is a little risk there, but I think I would still take him over the, over the Rams guys, Mr. Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I agree. All right, so, uh, let's move on then finally to tight ends. And uh, my guy is TJ Hawkinson, uh, who I think is overvalued at tight end 12, going in the middle of 11th rounds right now. Um, I, I love TJ Hawkinson. He's my favorite tight end in the 2019 rookie class. But say it with me, rookie tight ends rarely produce. Rarely produce. Yeah, uh, very, very Did good. you mean to say it with you or no? Yeah, very good. You get a gold star oh. after the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement there. Um, TJ Hawkinson is not going to see the field the first few weeks. I think fantasy dynasty, he will be all right. But we saw last year, Matt Patricia will play 
his veterans until he thinks that the rookies have earned their way. If he's not pushing Carrion Johnson onto the field, you can guarantee he's not forcing a tight end onto the field over a tried and true veteran in Jesse James. Yeah, um, which I think is a mistake. Uh, and I do think that he's still going to see the field the first few weeks, but he's not going to get consistent snaps or targets in the receiving game. And, and really, he should be used as a weapon in that way, but I just don't know that he will be. There was a better one there a few years ago, Eric Ebron. How well did Matt Stafford do with that tight end? Let's not forget, people. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Ebron, of course, uh, blew up last year, but uh, it may take TJ Hawkinson a few years as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, George Kittle is is my guy. That's a little overvalued here. Uh, he's going in the second pick of the third round as tight end three. Now, don't don't hear me wrong. This is not a knock on Kittle as much as it is a bet on probabilities and regression. Kittle was otherworldly and record setting last year. Yes, he is still my tight end three this season, but drafting in the early third is drafting at his ceiling and expecting that repeat production. Uh, in fact, with the emergence of Kittle, I think the other two tight ends, uh, of course, Kelsey and Ertz, should drop near or out of the second as well because that that sort of eliminates positional scarcity as much as it was before, you know, back in the days where Jimmy Graham was the only good tight end and people would take him in the second. Um, taking Kittle means you're missing out on very solid wide receiver twos here, like Allen, Thielen, T.Y. Hilton, and the better tier of uh, running back twos here, Fournette, Mack, and Jones. And you'll need to rely on guys like Godwin, Ridley, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay as starters for your team if you draft the tight end here. To me, the downside of relying on those risks is just not worth it to me. Uh, I would rather wait for a back-end tier two tight end, or better yet, stream the position because I'm so strong everywhere else because I drafted better. Um, I, I'm not really sure where to start because I, I don't know if you're more wrong about the fact that you put crunchy peanut butter in your sandwiches um, or the fact that you take grape jam over strawberry or the fact that you think Kittle's overvalued because I, I think if anything, he's a little undervalued uh, going into the third round. I, I would take no him, I would on. take him even higher than that. Um, so, so you mentioned, right, that basically you're missing out on a wide receiver like Keenan Allen or, or T Y Hilton. If you're taking George Kittle in the early third mm -hmm. But I would argue that I would rather have, let's see, who's a. Yeah, that, this was the exact question I was going to pose to you. Would you rather have Evan Ingram or would you rather have George Kittle and, uh, sorry, George Kittle and Philip Lindsay? Okay. Okay. Or. Well, well first off, I wouldn't want Philip Lindsay. <laughs> but that that's the point. That's what you're looking at if you're taking George Kittle there. That's the exact problem. Okay, but or but, or Keenan Allen and Jared Cook, or I guess I should go for a running back or carry on Johnson and and Jared Cook. But I'm saying I would I would not want so carry on Johnson or Jared Cook or George Kittle or a guy like Sony Michelle, right? Because he's going behind Philip Lindsay, your example. Sure. I would take Kittle and Michelle. You're nuts! Oh my God, you're so dumb. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I understand the, the regression <laughs> statistics. Uh, he's definitely going to regress. The yards after catch that he had last year was just, I don't know, like Gronkian. I think that's the best word to say. They um, were. They were. They were record setting. He set the record for, for uh, yards for a tight end. 
But at the same time, while everyone's debating over Dante Pettis versus Debo Samuel versus Jalen Hurd, George Kittle is the number one receiver for that team. Um, I believe in a, a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe that Kyle Shanahan's going to get the most out of him. I think that even if he regresses in uh, in terms of yards, he's going to make up for that in catches and touchdowns. So I'm not worried at all about George Kittle. Actually, you know that that what that's not even a fair comparison. It would actually be: Would you rather have George Kittle and Rashad Penny? That's the actual comparison, not Sony Michelle. Where is Penny's ADP? He's going seven oh nine, and Cook's going seven eleven. So you're saying I have to, I have to take a look at a running back in that range, right? If you're if we're talking a tight end and a running back, it, I mean to fill those positions, we could do a wide receiver. It's the same yeah, sort of. Idea. I, I mean, look at that. I guess maybe it's cheating, but look at Tevin Coleman in the seventh. I, I would take him and well, Kittle. that's cheat. Yes, that, that would we both think niners. that he's going to climb up. Okay. Um, or Cook and Keenan Allen, or George Kittle and Cortland Sutton. Oh well, first off, I would not take Cortland Sutton for sure. <laughs> That's where you're looking. Okay, Cortland Sutton, Sammy Watkins, Sterling Shepard—they're the same type of player. That's yeah. what you end up with with depth on your team: unstartable players. I get the I get the argument. Maybe I just think I'm I'm smarter than everyone, and I can grab enough wide receiver and running back depth to make up for that. Um, but if you were smarter than everyone, then you would know which weeks to stream Jordan Reed, Kyle Rudolph, things like that. Hmm. I think you have a fair point. Maybe he's not undervalued, but I would still be very okay with taking Kittle in the third. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love George Kittle. I he's fantastic. Like I said, don't hear me wrong on that. But I think even more than you, I'm a big fan of the Niners' offense in general this year. Uh, I think they're sure. Gonna, I think they're going to shock people quite a bit. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the whole offense: Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, uh, uh, Tevin Coleman, all these guys that catch passes. Oh, George Kittle's in that list too. <laughs> all right, agree to disagree, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would not, I would not fade Kittle if he drops out of the second round. I, I would be very happy grabbing him in the third for my teams. Um, All right, how about uh, over undervalued guys? Yeah, you know, one of the guys that you mentioned, uh, Jordan Reed. Um, you know, I've faded him for years now because despite his talent, the guy just can't seem to stay healthy. Um, his ADP was always kind of crazy for a tight end who's missed nineteen games over the last three seasons. And I thought it was pretty crazy that Reed was being drafted still as the tight end 10 last year in the eighth round. Uh, but this year, supposedly, he's had the healthiest training camp in years. So even though I still don't trust him to stay healthy, and I'm certainly not sold on Keenum or Haskins to lead that offense, uh, which is the reason I'm I'm fading Geis here. But I think the risk is finally worth the reward because Reed's ADP right now uh, is in the 14th round as the number, what, 21 tight end per MFL. So if, if I can grab him in round 14, then sign me up. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, this is some. Uh, this is a year with some really good depth and matchup playability at the tight end position, in my opinion. Um, I agree with Reed here. Trey Burton is another one. He finished last year as the tight end six. Right. I know. 
It, it's shocking to me, too. Right now, he's going as tight end 15. He's being taken in the 12th round. Uh, like I said, he finished last year as the tight end six. It's, it, didn't, it didn't take much to do, but that was enough. Um, they must have thought it, people must think he's horrible since he's going so late here. Here's another one going as uh, tight end 16 in the 12th round, Mark Andrews. I think he has a ton of upside in the Baltimore offense as they still try to figure out what to do with the wide receivers. If that's too much of an unknown for you, then how about a perennial tight end one who might be healthy enough to be his team's leading receiver this year? Greg Olson, also going near the 12th. Dallas Goddard also has tight end one upside if anything were to happen to Zach Ertz. There are just so, so, so many options. None of, none of them will be as good as Kittle, okay? But it doesn't take much to plug in the right tight end to get top 10 production for a week and not destroy your running back and wide receiver situation. And that's all I was trying to say. Enough teams, and like all but three teams, will be struggling with tight end over the course of the year. And if they dra- and the other ones that overdrafted, you'll be just fine because you'll have made up for it with your running backs. Yeah, just... You know, I, I'm going to have to take a look after this podcast. I want to see if it's possible for me to build a team entirely composed of Chiefs and 49ers because I think I'd be very happy with that with that team. Run some of those mock sims. Those are great. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking about that. Kind of like those years where people drafted basically the entire Patriots teams and, and they made yep. it to the playoffs. Um, yep. Speaking of the Patriots, actually, uh, one one other – uh, undervalued tight end that I did want to bring up here is Benjamin Watson. Uh, he's on his last legs here. I, I think how old is he now? He's uh, he's in forty eight, late thirty, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, he was born in nineteen eighty, thirty eight years old. So according to our stat checker, he's thirty eight years old. <laughs> Thank you. Is that you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, for a 38 year old guy, I understand why a lot might be fading him, but, uh, he's currently going as the tight end 32 in the 22nd round. So basically undrafted in most leagues. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many leagues have 22 rounds. Right. So, but with Gronk retired, uh, Chris Hogan's gone, Josh Gordon, we still don't know if he's going to play this year. Uh, just from those three guys alone, that's 195 targets vacated from last year. Even with Nikhil Harry, yeah, even with Nikhil Harry, even with Jacoby Myers there, um, Julian Edelman's going to get some more of that, James White probably, but even with all those targets split up, Ben Watson could still be a top 10 fantasy tight end with Tom Brady here. Um, He's suspended for the first four weeks for PEDs, uh, probably because he partied a little bit uh, when he thought he was retired. Um, But, you know, on the Patriots, with all those targets gone, Watson is crazy cheap if you want to wait on tight end. Uh, again, basically undrafted, and even if you're in a shallower league and you don't want to hold him for those weeks, put him on your watch list. Add him in week two, week three. Uh, you know, he, he could easily return that top 10, maybe even top five value. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, that is going to wrap up our show then for tonight. Uh, we've talked about a lot of these guys that we're either targeting or rather not targeting. Um, uh, draft season is upon us. We've we've got a lot to uh, a lot to process in the preseason. It's always interesting uh, trying to pick apart uh, what's fool's gold and, and what's potentially you know a diamond in the rough here. So. Um, keep watching those preseason games. Yeah, they're not the most exciting. You're going to hear about those fifth, sixth string guys, but 
sometimes uh you know that's that's that tiny edge that you get over your league mates when you hear about guys like Preston Williams or guys like Jacoby Myers uh you know who knows who knows if it's a guy in the in the 10th round who helps you win your title this year or a guy in the last round of your draft sure guys like Tony Pollard and Keyshawn Johnson yeah, thank you. Uh, those are the two guys that I just took in our rookie drafts. Thank you for bringing them up. But you don't want to <laughs> well, get me started. Well, true drafting every year from you, Mung. I do have to applaud you. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we can touch on Pollard real quick. Uh, do you think uh, there's going to be any one running back, though, in Dallas if Ezekiel Elliott were to miss time? I don't actually think Tony Pollard's talented enough for that role to be carrying it carrying in the rock like 20 times 25 times and have all that pass catching pass catching volume that Zeke was having um, I think right now we're getting a lot of smoke coming out of Jerry Jones to try and um, basically I don't know stonewall Zeke or sort of call Zeke's bluff about coming back I think that's mostly what we're hearing is puff pieces about the players that they have at that position um, I do think he is the guy who will have the most value, but he's, I don't see him as a running back one. I see him more as like a running back two who you can get on the cheap, which is great. Yep. I agree. I think it's going to be some sort of committee with Weber or Morris there who they just resigned. Um, he did a stint in Dallas a while back. So I do think it's going to be some sort of committee, certainly not one singular replacement for Zeke, but I, I do agree that Pollard, I think in PPR at least, is probably right. going to be the most productive guy. Yep. All right, a uh, little bonus content for y'all out there. Um, hey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's going to wrap up our show. As you go through your drafts, uh, you know, good luck. Uh, as always, you know, you're going to need to be flexible. Uh, these guys... Um, who we just talked about, their ADPs are going to be um, all over the place because your league could be very different from another league. So even if you think you can get a guy in the seventh round, I'm of the mindset that uh, if you love him enough, take him in the sixth, take him in the fifth if you really believe in him. Sure, do that in the uh, fifth, sixth, seventh. First through fourth, don't go reaching too hard. But but once you get to five, six, it's pretty safe. Yeah, hashtag get your guy. That's right. All right, Los, wrap it up for us here uh, for the first show of the season. All right. Well, thank you for rejoining us. We've been uh, missing you guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed us talking a little bit of fantasy football. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device, do not forget to hit subscribe because first thing, Tuesday mornings, they will click. They will download directly to your to your. Wow, device, I am so out of practice on this. And you will have it first, before your friends, before anybody else, before the rest of your league, and you will win. Yeah, and uh, what about our Twitter Our Twitter handles, Nick? Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh, I'm on the Twitter. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at FFA underscore LOS. That's LOS. Los, you can follow our super producer, Dan, the man, at FFA underscore Dan. And as always, our show's host, the greatest fantasy player ever, uh, not named uh, not named Los, Mung. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Uh, man, you, you see the lapses in, in thought process that you have, Los, when you eat chunky peanut butter? Just 
I I have not eaten peanut butter in two years, actually. I am on a peanut butter fast, and I do not intend on going back, if we're being honest. Really? Is is there a reason for that? Do you have a health tip for our listeners? Uh, Yes. Um, If you marry a woman deathly allergic to peanuts, do not inadvertently feed them to her. Ah, well, that's that's quite smart. I I understand now. (laughs) There's a health tip for you. Gotcha. What? So, what kind of sandwiches have you subbed in then with no PB and J's? Oh, uh, uh, cabbage sandwich. Uh, we got banana sandwich. We got uh, just basically anything you got. And if you put put it between some bread, you got a sandwich. Oh, I will. Uh, I'll pour one out for you then, because uh, can't, I can't <laughs> imagine life without without my strawberry and creamy peanut butter. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, you you keep on trucking, Monk. Yeah, and uh, as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. It's so good to be back. Thanks, addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. When the global supply chain is strained, one essential transportation network continues to keep the economy connected 24-7. That network is Freight Rail. We're increasing hiring and capacity, all while investing more than $20 billion per year into our network to improve reliability every day. We never stop working to better serve our customers because Freight Rail works.